God loves God loves diversity. God loves teamwork. God loves unity. God, God loves when we come together and we do his work with joy. He loves it. And if we look all throughout scripture, God always chooses teams. He always chooses teams to do his work. There ain't no Lone Rangers in the Bible. There's not. Not even Jesus. Even Jesus chose 12 to, to dedicate a ton of time to and to just really walk with those 12 and to raise them up and to disciple them. But even beyond those 12, he had a larger extended team. Even Jesus had teams. And if we're honest, even the Lone Ranger wasn't alone. He had Tonto. He had a source silver. He wasn't alone. He wasn't the Lone Ranger. He had a dog. He had a retriever. His name was Gold. Had a muskrat named Bronze. He, he might have had a goldfish named Copper. I don't know. Titanium. I, I don't know. That was, that was his raccoon, his pet raccoon. Those, those themes got cut. Um, we're not supposed to do life alone. We are supposed to link arms, because when we link arms and we work together, we represent God. God is a team. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The Trinity is a team. They work together. They love on us extravagantly. So God always chooses team. He always chooses unity. He always chooses diversity. He always chooses teamwork. It's good that we're different. It's good that we have different perspectives and different ways of seeing things. We're not supposed to see it the same way. Because if we all saw it the same way, can you imagine how many blind spots we'd have? Can you imagine how many, how many chinks in the armor there would be? But, but to see things from a different perspective. I mean, for me, I, you know, I could be looking and going, okay, man, this is clear as can be. This is clear as can be. This is where we're going, right there. But then, you know, I got a brother or a sister who has a, a vantage point, and maybe they're up in a tree, or they're like, hey, hey, um, Mark, what you're not seeing is that there's this, did you see that ravine over there? I'm like, I don't see no ravine. I just see the horizon. Oh, there's this huge obstacle here but if we just if we go here first and then circle back this will be much safer oh great thanks for that perspective we need each other and we are called to do life together here at impact rock um we use the word pastor and elder synonymously um so if i say pastor if i say elder if i say our pastoral team or our eldership team we, we use that same word we are overseers we are shepherds that that is that is the work we do and here at impact rock we absolutely believe and operate in a plurality of elders you guys know what that means plural plurality more than one more than one we uh andy is not um the associate pastor there's nothing associate about what andy and kim do we are a pastoral team it is kara and i and andy and kim and, and we believe in that because there's variety, there's perspective, there's strength. What this isn't is a one-man show. Andy's name is not on that marquee. There's, we, don't, we don't have a marquee, but if we had a marquee, his name wouldn't be on it. My name wouldn't be on it. We only want one name to be made famous. And that's the name that the Father said above every other name, the name of Jesus. 
So you know, our, our right now we have an eldership team of two couples. That our heart is for great expansion. Our heart is that the Lord would call others to link arms in this calling. And so it's not, not our desire just to be an eldership of, of two, but an eldership of three or four or five, whatever the Lord would bring. And I want to make something clear as it really is an honor for us to walk humbly in this calling. Authority does not imply superiority. Authority implies responsibility. Authority implies accountability. When I think of biblical all-stars, when I think of like like scriptural studs, like people in, in the word where I'm like, oh, that dude's a stud. Man, that guy's awesome. What a champ. And, and excluding Jesus, because Jesus would be the top of all those. But everyone else, the top of my list is Paul. I love Paul. Peter's probably next, but Paul. And man, he wrote most of the New Testament. Paul's number one on the, you know, on my on my list. If I don't really have a list, but you know what I'm saying. Let's turn to the fourth chapter of Colossians. Um, and we're going to look at Paul's team. We're going to look at the diversity of people that Paul surrounded himself with. We're going to look at the dependence of Paul on others to, to bring multiplication to this work that he has been called to do. We're going to see Paul rave about the people around him. We're going to see Paul uplift them and praise them. And this is a pretty dang good model of what we as a church should be doing and that we should be following. So um, Colossians chapter 4. We'll give us uh, just another minute to get there. Uh, this letter is written to the church in Colossae. In reading this, um, we're going to see that the, the main concerns that Paul has written about, he's already, he's already written about them. The things that were prominently on his heart, he's already addressed those things. When we get to chapter 4, we're going to see the the salutation. We're going to see the ending where he says his goodbyes and, and kind of wraps up his letter. All right. Colossians 4, 7 through 18. Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. Um, real quick, Tychicus is also the guy who took the letter of Ephesians. We know it as Ephesians to the church at Ephesus, and he probably took it to other churches as well. Um, and we see this uh, in Ephesians 6.21. Uh, continue reading. I've sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that how we may encourage, he may encourage your hearts. And with him, uh, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you. So real quick, um, this I probably should have led with this. Paul, Paul's in prison. Paul's in a Roman prison at this point right now. And so if, if he's writing letters, having somebody like Tychicus to deliver these, it's, it's vital. Uh, otherwise, it, it's does, the word doesn't get spread. So Onesimus was the last one that was mentioned. This is the same converted slave that was mentioned in, uh, in the book of Philemon in chapter 10. So there's little doubt that at this time, 
um, that the letter to Philemon was sent with uh, Colossians, um, Onesimus. He had become a faithful colleague um, and co-worker and laborer with Paul. And he's among these that Paul is now raving about, saying, this is a guy that's a part of, of my apostolic team. This is a guy who's a part of this work I'm doing and, and encouraging them to see him as such, to see this runaway slave, if you will, and don't think like Alabama slave. I mean, it's not, it's not, that's our point of reference as Americans. You know, we're, you know, we're talking Jerusalem, Israel, Middle East. But the point still remains that he's encouraging somebody who was once seen down here and saying, I need you to see him on par with me. This guy's a member of my team. This guy's a member of the work I'm doing. Look what he's doing. He's delivering the good news of the gospel. Continue reading. They will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. How awesome is that? I don't even know who that dude is. He's just a fellow prisoner. Say, hey, Thomas, say what's up? So Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. And Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions. If Barnabas comes to you, welcome him. If Mark comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice. So it's interesting that Mark is mentioned here. That's the same Mark who wrote the Gospel of Mark. But this is also the same Mark that there was a clashing with Paul. Because Paul took him on, on one of his journeys, on one of his missionary trips, and Mark bailed on him. Mark's just not a bad guy, just immature at the time. And he bailed. So there was this difficulty. So um, Mark and Barnabas are cousins. So Barnabas said, hey, I'll take Mark. And because Barnabas was a traveling companion of Paul's, he said, hey, I'll take Mark. I'm going to pour into him. I'm going to raise him up. You know, God's got a call and a plan for his life. He's just a little immature. And, and let's not let it divide us. We, we're going to stay on this path, but we're just going to, we're not going to split in disunity. We're going to split for the purpose of then later coming back together in unity. Does that make sense? So, so this is, he, now he's raving about Mark, talking about Barnabas. He's reassuring the church and maybe the people who knew about this split, hey, we're on the same team. Hey, we're, we're doing this work together. Uh, later on, we actually see that Paul uses a really cool word to describe Mark. He says useful. He calls for Mark. He says, hey, bring Mark to me. He's useful to me. He's useful for this purpose that I have, this work that I'm doing. I need Mark. I, I just love it. Love it. Not just because my name is Mark. That's pretty cool, too. But I, I love the, the unity and the restoration. Let's continue reading. These are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God. And they have been a comfort to me. If I can just pause right there. I mean, I love the vulnerability here. He's like, hey, this is, these guys are my safe place. You know, we, we ate at the same places and we had the same jokes and we had the same upbringing and we had the same traditions and we worshiped in the same ways. And these guys, they're a comfort to me. But outside of these guys, those are my only Jewish brothers. Now he goes on to now rave about some Gentiles, some non-Jewish guys. Once again, talking about diversity. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that he may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you 
and for those in Laodicea and Hierapolis. Epaphras was, was a Colossian. And he seems to be the one who, who took the gospel to these three cities of Colossae and Laodicea and Hierapolis. And here he is raving about him right after being on the verge of going, hey, this is where my comfort ends, but this is not where my team ends. You know, here's this dude, Epaphras. Eps. He didn't call him Eps necessarily, but he might have. I mean, everyone's got a nickname. He's one of you. He's one of you. And he works hard, and he prays for you. And this work that, that I'm doing could not be done without him. So honor him. You know, it's interesting. Earlier I was talking about, about serving. In my mind, serving is all about two things. It is about generosity and it's about honor. And, and you tell me how any of those are done. Man, when I, when, when I serve you, I get to honor you. I get to be generous to you. And I get to do so for the sake of my Lord. I mean, Rachel, she's phenomenal. She took over the hospitality ministry, and this is an amazing servant, and she's so generous and so honorable. I could point out every one of us that do the different things we do. It's about generosity, and it's about honor. And I love that, that Paul is honoring, so honoring. Keep reading. Luke, the beloved physician, and he's also the writer of the Gospel Lukes. He greets you as does Demas. Now, Paul doesn't have much to say about Demas. Uh, we see in 2 Timothy 4.10 that Demas will later allow worldliness to pull him away, and he'll, he'll leave the work he was doing. He'll leave Paul. So it doesn't surprise me that Paul <laughs> doesn't have a lot to say. He doesn't have anything to say about Demas. He's like, and Demas. He's like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I just find it interesting. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea. And to Nympha. So this is great. Tell the brothers I said hi. And also to Nympha, who, who most believe that this was a woman. Um, and, and, and to Nympha and the house in her church. Um, I, I've heard people argue, well, it wasn't necessarily a woman. It was a woman. Okay? We get so weird when it comes to, like, things with, like, male and female. And, like, men can only do this and everything. And uh, just throw it out the window. This was a woman. She has a church in her home. And, and Paul is giving her shout-outs and gratitude and honor. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans. And see that you also read the uh, letter from Laodicea. And say to uh, Archippus, say this to him, Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry you have received from the Lord. So apparently Archippus is a preacher in Laodicea who needs what? Just needs encouragement. We don't know the backstory. We just know that he needs encouragement and that Paul waits to the end of his letter and says, and hey, say these words to this brother. You can do it and you need to do it. You need to finish the work. You need to stay strong. You need to stay in the fight. I know you're weary. I know you've been betrayed. I know you're hurt. Stay in the fight. Fulfill the ministry that you've received from the Lord. And see, I think that's such a key thing, you guys. 
I, I love ownership. I love when we take responsibility and we own something. But that, that only carries us so far. Our ownership has to be, this is a work of the Lord. This is a work of the Lord. This is a work that honors him. And then the very last words, I, Paul, I write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Love it. Love it. How many times have we maybe read this passage and just kind of ripped through it without realizing that he is honoring and highlighting all the people that have linked arms to do this work together. God chooses teams. If there's anybody that could have done it on, on his own, it was Jesus. And that was never God's plan. It was always team. And when we work together, it is team. And I don't care where our standing is. I don't care where we are or where we've seen ourselves or where the world has seen us, whether it's high or low, God loves diversity. Oftentimes, people will talk and they'll be like, well, Mark, you're a pastor. And uh, I'm not trying to be snarky. I'm just trying to make a point. I'll often interrupt them and go, oh, no, no, I'm a graphic designer. I'm a graphic designer, but God called me to this work. And I said, yes, and now I have the joy of doing this. But I've got no formal training. You, you, my, my training's in graphic design and marketing. I didn't go to Bible college. I went to a Christian college and studied graphic design. We're called to do this work together, friends. And the work of the Holy Spirit is absolutely vital in everything we do. And he's especially vital in us working together as a team. He's especially vital in us having grace for one another. He's vital in our friendships. He's vital in our relationships. He's vital in our marriage. He's vital in our family. He's vital in our homes. He's vital in, in our neighborhoods and our apartment complexes and our region and our workplace. The Holy Spirit is vital. And that's why he was sent. That's why Jesus raves about him going, hey, I'm going away. I know you got trepidations about that. You know, he's telling his disciples, I'm going away. But this is incredible. It's better that I go away so that the Holy Spirit can be sent. He'll guide you into all truth. He will strengthen you and comfort you. And basically what I've done, he's still going to do it on our behalf. He's going to take what's being said and share it with you. And we aren't alone. But we must be yielded. We must, must be completely dependent on him. I am. I'm completely dependent on him. I've got nothing for you week in and week out except what he gives. The overflow of my time with the Lord, that's what you get. The times I worry when I'm like, oh, Lord, I spent like a minute and a half with you this week. Not quite a minute and a half, but you know. When, when it's in my own strength, that's when I'm like, ah, Lord, I'm so not up to the task. I want to send him strengthening. Like, Lord, there's nothing we can't do. What do you want to say, Lord God? I'll say, I'll just let me be your mouthpiece. Whatever you want to say, I'll say it fearlessly. I get these nerves from you. John 14, 15 through 21 says this. And, and please listen to, to the love language that Jesus talks about here. Okay. His love language is obedience. That's how he sees love. Last night, Karen Cadence 
they came home, and they're like, hey, we brought you something. And I'm like, oh, was it a bunt cake? And they're like, no, it was a bunt cake. It was, you know, lemon raspberry bunt cake. Delicious. But I'm like, oh, that's awesome. I feel loved. A lemon raspberry bunt cake. Jesus' love language is obedience. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. This is key. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. In this we see God establishing family by the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. We are no longer orphans. We are family. He called us to family. You may think you chose this church. I disagree. God brought you here. This is your church home. I believe God called you here. Yet in a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Again, manifest myself to him. Through what? Through who? Through the Holy Spirit. That's why we rave about the Holy Spirit. That's why we rave about Jesus. We rave about the Holy Spirit because Jesus raves about the Holy Spirit. The keeping the commandment part, the obedience part, this is not religion for crying out loud. This is love. This is love. If you love me, then this is what you'll do. Because in love there's trust. Like you're like, Lord, okay, I, I trust you. I love you, so I'm going to do this. Here's an example. No one has to make me um, be faithful to my bride, to Kara. No one has to make me be faithful to her. That is the most effortless thing in the world. Now, even though it's effortless, I stay on guard. I kind of subscribe to the, the Billy Graham method of like, hey, if there's a woman in an elevator, I'll take the next elevator. Like, he, yeah, he, would, he wouldn't eat with a woman. I don't eat with women. He, he wouldn't um, go in an elevator with a woman. So we still have to be on guard. But I, honestly, guys, it's effortless to not cheat on my wife. Like, I'm pointing to her because normally she would be right there. But she's back there. You know, it's love. Caring for my kids, no one makes me do it. It's love. I'm glad to do it. I'm glad to do it. It's love. It's affection, not obligation. I want to read one more passage um, in, in Romans 8, verses 12 through 16. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you live by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the, the spirit of slavery to fall back in fear. You did not uh, receive the, the spirit of oppression and shame and lies and that you're no good and that you're a bum. You didn't receive that. Not as my son. Not as a son of God. You didn't receive that. So if you're hearing that, be assured it's not 
from the Father. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. By whom we cry, Daddy, Papa, whatever that affectionate term for God is. Sons, we get to have affection with the Father, not not some distant figure of authority, but whatever that affectionate term is, Daddy. That's how we call out to our Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. We are children of God and we are heirs. We get the inheritance. That's what sons get. I know it says sons, and, and then this, it didn't say daughters, daughters, but I need you to know, women, you're a son, you get the inheritance. You're a son of God. You get the inheritance fully. Men, you're sons too. You get the inheritance. We are heirs. We have a shared future together. Don't raise your hands. I'm asking you don't raise your hands. I'm, I'm asking you don't raise your hands. But how many of y'all have I ever irritated? or upset, or offended, or disappointed, or let you down? I don't know. I mean, actually, I, I shouldn't be afraid. I, I, it, it'd probably be the majority of us. New folks, maybe it hadn't happened yet. It will. It, it will. Right? Because we're human. But we get to do this together. We are called together. We are adopted together. We are a family, and we've got to show grace to one another. And this is not a license to be stupid or careless or thoughtless or mean. This is just a call from the Lord to operate with the boundless measure of grace that he gives to us. We didn't choose our family. But God puts us together. We're family. We're family. I, I use brother all the time. What up, brother? Hey, brother, love you, brother. And it's not just because I was like a, a fan of the 80s and Hulk Hogan, which I was a child of the 80s, and Hulk Hogan, brother. You know, but I mean, we're brothers, sisters. You get a text from me, you know, sister, how are you doing? Brother, how are you doing? And that's not like some religious funkiness. I, I mean that. Because friends come and go, but brothers, we're stuck with each other. Sisters, we're stuck with each other. We are family, and I believe that. I'm committed to that. And I believe you're committed to this work we're doing together and to grow our relationship and have grace for one another. But here's the fact. Not all of us are walking in fullness. Fact. We're not all walking in the fullness of what God has for us. So I want to I close out with these challenges and highlight a few things that might be keeping us from walking in fullness. Number one, we're undermining God's divine call. We undermine his call. He's called us. He's called us. He's called us to family. And then within the confines of family, he calls us to other things. I didn't choose to be a pastor. In fact, I was very clear with the Lord. I'm like, I don't want to be a pastor. I'm going to pursue a degree in the graphic design. I'm not mad at you. But my dad was a pastor, and it was a really crappy way to grow up, and it was hard, and I don't want to be a pastor. 
And if you do call me to it, you better use Sean Connery's Scottish accent God voice. I mean, I better know it's you. But see, more than that, he, he used the Father's heart and his timing and his gentleness. And he called me, I was chopping at the bit to say yes. I don't know what your calling is, but I tell you that he gives us different callings even throughout the day because we're to run to him, care for one another, be a light to the world. Who are you in context of his church? And how do you see yourself? How do you see yourself in context of his church? How do you see yourself in context of his kingdom? Are you a runaway slave and say, I'll never be anything but a runaway slave? Are you an orphan and say, I'll never be anything but an orphan? That's that's a good fashion. That's crap. That's garbage. That's garbage. That's not who you are. But we undermine God's divine call. Young men, you better not be undermining the divine call of of the Lord on your life. You better start seeking the Lord and saying, how do you see me? Because that's how I will see you. You know what I'm saying? I mean that. That's for all of us, but I just, I mean that. Number two, an unwillingness to do what God says. Very simple. Luke 6, 46 says this, why do you call me Lord and then not do what I say? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and then you don't do what I tell you? Our unwillingness to do what God says, man, it, it hinders us from walking in the fullness. Because our God is good and only good. And if he's calling us to do something, and if, he's, if his word tells us to do something, it's for our own good. Getting worked up. Like, this is the end of the message. Like, all right, all right. Come on, babe. Number three, unresolved hurts hinder us from walking in God's fullness. Get healed. Release bitterness. Forgive, 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 forgive. Remove the poison. I, I need to say this. Forgiving someone doesn't let them off the hook for what they did. Forgiveness is just this much about the person that wounded you. Forgiveness is this much about you and your God who forgave you of all sins. He paid the price that you could never pay. And that was for the forgiveness of your sins. Forgiveness is about saying, God, you have forgiven me, so I will not be so defiant as to not forgive others when you have forgiven me of everything. But, but it's, I'm telling you guys, that unforgiveness, that bitterness, it keeps us from fullness. You, we have got to get on our knees before the Lord. Say, Lord, I forgive. And Lord, this is so painful to even say, but Lord, I forgive. I don't want anything between you and I. And so that doesn't let this person off the hook for what they did but I'm just making it about me and you and not about me and them. If you need help getting healed, we can help with that. And not just this pastoral piece, the body, we can help with that. We will point you to Jesus and everything. I am not taking lightly the hurt. I'm just saying, I'm going to tell you guys, just seek freedom from that. Number four, unfulfillment in your call and in your walk. If you feel unfulfilled, can I just challenge you to look at your investments? What are you investing in? 
Where's your heart? When, when I am all in with God and he has my heart and he has my time and he has my everything and, and my answer is yes to you, Lord. I walk in fulfillment. When I keep anything from him in that area that I keep from him, I'm unfulfilled. Anything that we keep from the Lord and we say, Lord, you can have it all except for this, then in this we will be unfulfilled. Five, the last one, understanding the power of our response to God. Hey, we're, we're walking together. We're called to families together. We're in this together. You have to understand the power of your response to God. Our mighty captain of the Lord's army, our king of kings, Jesus Christ, stands at the door of our heart and knocks. He could, he, could, he could do away with the door. He could kick it down. He could swing it open. But it says he knocks because our response matters. Invitation matters. Intentionality matters. I like to kiss my wife most of the time. But there's times we're arguing and I get a kiss from her and that's not the response I wanted. It's all tight, pursed lips because she's still mad at me because I still <laughs> haven't said I'm sorry. Whatever. The response matters. The, the willingness of our hearts to love him and to follow him. And to love him the way he wants to be loved. Not to love him the way you want to be loved. To love him the way he wants to be loved and to trust his way of loving you, which is so much better than you could ever love him. We need to fight for our revelation of Jesus. We need to fight for our responsibility in the mission. We need to fight for our unity. We need to fight for our relationships. And we need to fight for our shared future. And I, I, all week long, I've been reminded uh, of a word that the Lord brought us last week that, that he's, he's, on, he's doing something new he's calling us to, to something new and he wants us to, to step out in faith and he wants us to step out in obedience and to trust him I, I didn't have a better name for the message than, than family team I'm like that's it we're a family and we're a team that's we're in this together. There's times you'll need me to have your back, but there's times you'll want me out in front of you. Still. Swinging first. I'm using like a military pretty violent image right now in my head, but I'm, it's, I'm telling you. I'm telling you, swim for the enemy. We need to fight. We need to contend for these things that are right. Can we can we stand up? I love, I love sometimes the... the declaration of standing up. Can we stand up? I'm going to close this in prayer. And here's here's what I, I mean. Notes are off. God wants you fulfilled. He wants you fulfilled. He wants me fulfilled. And our response matters. What are the things you need to let go of? If it's shame and hurt, if it's unforgiveness, if it's sin, 
patterns, then, then you've got to let it go because he's asking you to let it go. You've got to let it go. That's got to be part of your response. If you've hesitated on the yes to the Lord because it's a commitment you're just not totally comfortable making, so when are you going to be comfortable? I don't, I don't think you'll be comfortable next week. If you're not comfortable now, you're still not going to be comfortable. It's not about your comfort level or mine. Our response to God matters. But here's, I think we're missing the point in thinking about my response, my this, my that. It's not that. It's his fullness in us that he wants to bring about. Joy and peace and love and purpose and mission. just close our eyes and I'm just going to ask you respond to the Lord for a second just, just take a moment and respond to the Lord let's, let's all do that Lord, you are so good and you're so trustworthy. And we just respond to you. We respond to you with a yes that we will walk according to your word, to your ways, to your truth. Because you're, you're so trustworthy. Even in the things that are challenging for us, we can trust you in it. And Lord, we can trust you with our heart. We can trust you with our past. We can trust you with our emotions. Father, I thank you that you are good and only good and that, that I can trust you with my insecurities. You can trust you with our weakness. We can trust you with our life. And so we just we, we start this response now, but Lord, that we, by no means could we get it all done in this short segment. Lord, we, we put this in our hearts to continue this response to you, to continue dialogue and this conversation with you, Lord. Lord, I just pray your blessings over every person in this place, Lord, and I pray for their strength in every struggle, Lord. Every person that says yes to you and brings this hard thing to you, Lord, I pray your blessing, your strength, your grace, Lord. I pray for your blessing upon every person, every man, woman, every child, every young person, over every family, over every marriage. Lord, I just proclaim your blessing and your power and your fullness as we respond in faith and obedience to you. I thank you, Lord, that we will not be disappointed. In Jesus' name, amen.